are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey guys, the following recording is from our school's baccalaureate. Um, We had the privilege of addressing our school's outgoing seniors, and we thought that you might want to have a listen to what we had to say. Yeah. How co- how cool that they uh, they chose both of us, by the way. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. So enjoy. Yeah. Also, I wanted to mention that we will still be releasing our normal podcast this Saturday, as always. Yeah. examples to all of us as men after God's own heart. Um, So before we introduce our two speakers, Mr. Randolph and Mr. Seals, we will each be reading a passage that corresponds with their message. So I will first be reading the passage that corresponds with Mr. Randolph's message, and then Sammy will be reading Mr. Seals. Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 16. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest. Just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil. And I command you today, love God, your God. Walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you're about to enter and possess. I will be reading the verse that corresponds to Mr. Seals' message. Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors, at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come. It will not be remembered by those who follow them. And now we would like to introduce Mr. Seals. Hey, guys. (laughs) In some form or another, You've probably heard someone tell you to follow your dreams. If you count all of the times such a message has been subliminally or explicitly communicated to you um, through film or television or social media or literature, 
or a motivational speech maybe that you heard in one of our classes, I'm sure it would total roughly around 18,000 times. Um, follow your dreams. You can do anything you put your mind to. One of you may be the future president of the United States. The American dream and many successful people in our country have verified this notion that hard work, sweat, desire, and passion can help you achieve anything. You can do all things through Christ, right? Even the way that Philippians 4.13 is commonly invoked attests to this idea that you get to pick your dreams and then you summon the power of God like a good luck charm to help you actualize them. Barring a few genetic limitations, because some of you won't ever dunk in the NBA, um, you have the potential to accomplish almost anything you put your mind to. Now, instead of launching into my normal critique of such an approach to life, um, I want to affirm the undeniable truth that it contains. You guys are winners. The proportion of you that have been admitted into colleges, some of them quite prestigious, um, far surpasses the national average for high school graduates. You will go on from this place and dabble in many different disciplines until you choose one in which to become an expert. Let's put our, on our imagination helmets for a second um, and consider what this might look like if you accomplish a few of these potential dreams. You go on to study politics and law. The average law student spends between 400 and 600 hours studying and preparing to pass the bar exam. Since you want to be the best, you study far more than that and you pass it the first time. You work your way up in a small firm, you build your resume and reputation, and you get accepted into another firm that works in the specialty you desire to pursue. Your passion and dedication um, gain you fame in that particular discipline. You start your own firm and your influence spreads. People interview you on TV about the major cases that you, um, that you work. Celebrities seek you out. You're one of the few lawyers that virtually every American knows. You are one of the greats. You've made it. Or maybe you take your innovation and creativity and people skills and apply them in the field of business. You will identify a gaping need in the market, analyze the trends, and carve out your own niche for your business. You'll take a startup and expand it to a multinational brand in technology or exportation um, or media or underwear or whatever. Um, and your success in your own business ventures earn you high positions at other corporations, other companies. You're offered multi-million dollar salaries um, to take businesses from good to great, to save dying companies, to rethink the way that the world does business. You are a world changer. You sit at the top of your pile of wealth and notoriety. You've made it. Well, what if you take that guitar, that piano, that sweet voice, or that ability to turn a phrase and force your way to the top of the masses trying to make a name for themselves in Hollywood, Nashville, or New York City. Your avant-garde yet accessible art, acting, or music pleases the elites and the common man alike. Your hard work, good marketing, and your dedication to your craft shoots you to the places you've never dreamed of being. Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift seek you out for advice on career success Banksy asks you um, for help on a stencil. James Cameron asks you to take the lead in his next film. Champagne glass in hand at an exclusive Hollywood party? You've made it. 
Maybe you take what seems to be the ultimate plunge into Christianity and you study theology. After six years of theological training and plenty of student loans, you work in youth ministry for some years and then transition into the position of associate pastor. Eventually, you find yourself being called or led to start your own church that hits a target homogenous demographic that makes your church plant turn into a megachurch overnight. You write books about God that sell millions, and people weep when they meet you. You become one of the few theologians that make it on the cover of Time magazine for some insight on God that you introduce. You are one of the most influential Christian figures currently living. You've made it. Each of these paths is absolutely possible for you. You can dedicate yourself to pursuing your dreams and take hold of them. You can do it, but then what? When you started in law, you wanted to be the best, and then you became the best, everything you wanted to be. But then what? You achieve your dream, and you still need to live your life. Your Corvette needs an oil change. You need to pay taxes. Your dog peed on the rug again. Now what? When you started your small business in your garage, you dreamed of making your first million. But then you got it. So you made plans to make 10 million. Then you dreamed of making a billion. Then what? When you wrote your first song, you dreamed of playing a Friday night at a hip local venue. Then you became a regular there and you dreamed of playing somewhere bigger. Then you found yourself touring the world. Then what? When you started in ministry, you just wanted to help change one person's life at a time. Then you wanted to wisely guide your flock of 100. Then you dreamed of making an impact on millions beyond the reach of your local church community through your video series, your book deal, your sermons. But then what? You can achieve your way to the top of whatever mountain that you define as success. But when you reach the top, I can guarantee you'll be disappointed. The problem with our dreams, or should I say our fantasies, is not that they are beyond our reach, but that they are actually achievable. Philosopher Peter Rollins boldly states, you can fulfill your dreams, just be prepared for the abject horror. We can only sustain a false hope in attaining happiness in some distant dream, as long as that dream remains distant. The moment we grab it, we will see it for the powerless idol that it truly is. So by all means, pursue those dreams. And for your sake, I hope that you fulfill them as quickly as possible so that you can learn sooner just how bankrupt they are. That thing that robs us of our joy in the present will not bring us joy in the future. One of the wealthiest, wisest, and most powerful men that ever lived is King Solomon. He is such a hugely significant figure that he wrote books of the Bible the thing that we study, and I'm talking about him 3,000 years later. He had access to every dream we could fathom and more. He had, a, but after all he had accomplished, a political empire, unfathomable wealth, close to a 1,000 women dedicated to pleasing him, and a world-renowned wisdom, he says these sad refrains. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Generations come and generations go. All have the same fate in death. All will be forgotten. It's chasing after the wind. 
See, the danger of our dreams is that we might spend our whole lives chasing that next degree, the next raise, the next goal, the next fantasy, but then miss out on what God is doing now. We might waste our lives sacrificing everything to achieve our dreams, but then never present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. This is why Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 8.15, So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil. It will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. To Solomon, joy is not found in reaching some far-off goal or finally arriving at your fantasy. Joy is found in the middle of your toil, in acknowledging that your life is a gift from God and living it. As you enter the next season of your life, you will undoubtedly spend a good amount of time dreaming about your future, fabricating fantasies about what that will look like, creating plans for how to make your dreams a reality. And that's good. Don't get me wrong, that's a good thing. Some of you will even apply some of the things you've learned here at UCA and try to integrate those dreams into God's dream for the world, the kingdom of God, his dream to restore shalom here on earth. And we want you to do all those things. We want you to dream big for the sake of the kingdom. But I want to challenge you to consider what God wants you to do today. What does it mean for you to be obedient today? How can you be the type of person that is able to find joy in the work that God has given you today? Abraham Joshua Heschel in his book, The Sabbath, talks about the tension that exists between space and time. And no, I'm not gonna talk about predestination. Um, in modern the technological society, we spend our, our most precious resource, time, to accrue things in space. We use our minutes, hours, and days to raise monuments to, our, uh, to ourselves. But we have it all wrong. Our significance does not come from what we are able to build and collect in space, but rather what we have done with our time. Heschel admonishes, we must not forget that it is not a material thing that lends significance to a moment. It is the moment that lends significance to things. It is not your cap and gown or the address of 10900 Civic Center Drive that makes this moment significant. If you dressed up like this two years ago and stood in the same place, it would be a, a senseless ruse. But it is this moment itself, right now, that makes things meaningful and significant. Christ points to the same reality when he says that the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for the kingdom of God is within you. And he's not saying that the GPS coordinates of the kingdom of God are wherever your body is. But what he's saying is that the kingdom is able to break forth at any moment, any second, any minute, any hour, any day. The kingdom of God can break forth everywhere at any time. So the thing is, I love you guys too much. Um, I actually do love you guys a lot. That's weird, I don't say that a lot. Um, I love you guys too much to encourage you to try to find significance in the things that you can accomplish or the pile of trophies that you can get. Your dreams will fail to give you meaning 
And when they do, they will rob you of joy. So instead of amassing things in space, amass sacred time. Invite God into every minute of your life. Walk with God each day in obedience. Saturate your years on earth with sacred experiences. Consider your creator in each moment, and you will rob those dreams of their sting. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Wayne David Randolph. How do you follow Mr. Seals? For me personally, it means I have to actually write it down for once. So I'm going to read it from there. But let me start with this. And it's become kind of a trademark. Uh, it gets teased about. Uh, it's up on the video uh, recently in, in chapel. Let me just get out of the way. Shalom. Shalom to all of you. Shalom. God's peace, God's presence, and God's goodness. That is my prayer for each of you, that you would pursue these things above all else. I'm going to tell you guys a story, and it's a story that uh, if you have been in my class or Mr. Seal's class, it's a story that we refer to often. I pray that this story would uh, hit all of you right in the heart. <laughs> So the story goes like this. In the beginning, we can see the original blessing that the maker of the universe created a good habitat to dwell in, and he asked us to maintain its goodness so that he could stay amongst us. With that genius plan came some beautiful byproducts regarding human interactions with the creator, each other, the environment, and themselves. But we all know that the story quickly takes a turn when the humans decide to create a counter-narrative to the one that had been designed just for them. Fast forward that story, and we meet a group of people called the Israelites, a people group so broken and beat up that they need to be taught how to be human again. And so their creator trained them he trained them in the ways that they should go with the hope that they would not stray from his plan when they are older and finally mature. It's at their graduation, slightly longer than the 12 years you guys are celebrating this week, that Moses, their teacher, delivers his final speech. And it goes something like this. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it out. It's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it out. No, the word is right here and now. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed it in front of you. Life and good, death and evil. And I command you today to love God 
your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land that you are about to enter and possess. Moses knew, like a good teacher, Moses knew that his children would be tested right away. He knew that he would not be there to answer every question. He knew that there would be scenarios that they had not yet covered, but he also firmly believed that they had been equipped with everything they needed to succeed in life. Seniors, you also have been equipped with everything you need to succeed in this life. For the past 12 years, you have been poured into by your parents, your teachers, and your peers. During those years, you've learned some basics, like how to tie your shoe, how to hold a pen correctly, which snacks are the best for trading, how to walk in a straight line, how to be a good friend, how not to be a good friend. As you got older, you were entrusted with more responsibilities, making your own lunch, doing your homework, researching for projects, writing an exegesis, maybe driving a car. It's possible you were entrusted with someone's heart or secrets that were meant just for your ears. Maybe you were entrusted with some, somebody else's emotions who happened to be going through some dark times. And all along the way, we have been reminding you of this beautiful narrative that the creator of the universe is calling all of us to participate in making this place good so he can dwell amongst us once again. And now you find yourselves in a similar situation to the Israelites when they received their graduation speech from Moses. In a few months, maybe just a few weeks for some of you, you'll be moving into a dorm, registering for classes, making new friends, hopefully having deep conversations and experiencing more freedom than you've ever had. And with that, on behalf of your teachers here at UCA, I implore you to choose life and good. I'm guessing that Mr. Seals is probably right. A few of you are going to become lawyers. You're gonna spend 400 to 600 hours prepping for the bar. During that time, you'll be tempted to take the easy way out, to cheat, to procrastinate, to give up. It's during those times that we pray you recognize the two paths in front of you, life and good, death and evil. And like Moses, we implore you to choose life. Some of you will pass the bar and will be presented with more options. Practice law by defending the defenseless or practice law in a high profile firm defending people whose crimes contribute to the destruction of our good world. Will you follow the narrative of our dominant culture? Will you conform to the patterns of this world? Or will you forego the fame and fortune and choose to use your schooling and position in society to expand his kingdom? When you are presented with these choices, you should not have to wrestle with which path to take. You will not have to go back to your high school notes to look for answers. You won't need to consider your textbooks because you've already been equipped to make the correct decision. Choose life and good. Or maybe you get your MBA, 
Like Mr. Seals said, and you've got an opportunity to make a huge profit for your shareholders, but it comes at the expense of a people group around the world. Please choose life and good. When given the opportunity to create a startup that would provide a sustainable income for those living in poverty, or busting your butt to get the bonus, which will pay for another car in your driveway, please choose life and good. It wasn't long after Moses gave the Israelites their graduation speech that they totally blew it. They got arrogant. They forgot to choose life. They forgot the beautiful story of their God, and they created hell on earth for themselves. Even so, God still reminded them of his story, the one where he promised to make the world good again through their relationship, regardless of their rebellion. So take heart, seniors. You're totally going to blow it. You're going to make drastic mistakes. You will often choose evil and death, and you're going to experience heartache and pain along the way. And it's during those times that we want you to remember that there is an alternative story out there, and it's one that leads to life. Again, you won't need to read the latest Christian self-help book or shave your head, give up on society, and live monastically in the high desert. You'll just need to remember that with every action, every thought, and every word, you are expanding the kingdom of life or the ways of death. So we implore you, choose life. Go to college, decide on a major, make new friends, choose life. Travel the world, learn a foreign language, notice nature, enjoy a delicious cup of coffee, and choose life. Start a family, start a company, start a movement, choose life. Money will come and go, your good looks will come and go, Friends may come and go, and still we say choose life. Seniors, we've presented you with two paths, and I believe we have equipped you to follow the narrow one. As soon as you leave here, I could tell a few of you can't wait, <laughs> you will immediately be presented with the choice, and you'll be faced with that choice daily, if not hourly. So learn from King Solomon and choose life. Learn from Mr. Seals and the rest of your teachers and choose life. Learn from Moses as he commands you today to choose life, love God, your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly. Blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. Thank you.